Hello world and welcome to another fun, fun episode of Here's a Guy. Uh, this is Alex coming to you from St. Louis. I'm joined by my two usual co-hosts. We are once again uh, coming to you with our full crew, starting with Cody in Illinois. Cody, what's up? Um, not a whole lot. Uh, you know, work keeps me pretty busy this time of year, which uh, is unfortunate right now because it is so fucking cold out there. Mm-hmm. It has been like two degrees with wind chill or without yeah. wind chill for the last week or so, and I'm just done with it. Um, yeah, it's it's not been fun. Uh, but like I said, lucky to happy to be indoors here, enjoying uh, some wacky tales with you two. We also have Jack John in Indianapolis. Jack John, what's up? Yeah, I fucking hate the cold. I'm a firm believer that summer is superior in every category because of this fucking bullshit. And if you say that winter is your favorite, I kind of want to punch you in the face. Uh, I had my first ever like cold-induced panic attack this past week, so that was fun. It was so cold that I couldn't feel my hand, and I started to like try to warm up my hand with my breath and inadvertently started hyperventilating. Uh, so that was a real fun way to experience a morning at work. <laughs> So I had a cold-induced uh, panic attack. That's never happened to me, not gonna lie. Yeah, it wasn't fun. It was not fun. Uh, but then I took two days of PTO, so it turned out to be kind of fun. I was for a while, it wasn't so, fun. Sounds necessary, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I'm I'm not gonna say that winter is my favorite. Um, I, of course, prefer the, the best season, which is fall, but... Yeah. Fall, fall is second place. It's tied with spring. Spring and fall, they're because of how the weather sets, pretty interchangeable for me. Um, but summer is by far my favorite time of year. And here's the problem. Here's the problem with proves it. Here's here's the problem with summer. Summer nights are maybe the best combination Ooh. of time of day and season all year. I mean, a summer night is just yeah. hard to beat. Sitting out on the patio or out in the backyard, the kind of warm night air, that's great. Yeah. The problem is it, summer mornings Greece, and Greece afternoons. Gre- yeah. Greece did a whole song about it. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Summer mornings yes. and afternoons are sort of a different animal. Yeah. Uh, especially the morning, like walking out and just getting oppressive summer heat right in your face yeah. when you're going to work. That pisses me off even more than the cold. The, the like introduction of leisure activity in the summer, like shit that you can do in the summer is far better than shit you can do in the winter. Shit you can do in the winter is only dependent on if you enjoy snow at that period of time. Like you can go fucking swimming. You can get like a nice breezy hike in, in the summer. You can't do dick. When it's negative five degrees outside, unless you got a real good sledding hill, but then or some, for like, or some really idea, really good ideas for offensive and hilarious snowmen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jack right. John's been going through this period where he just puts a bunch of ice dicks in his front lawn. I, I think he's, I think he's having a bad time. <laughs> that would be a pretty good uh, uh, rebellion against your HOA, though. <laughs> So you get the I disease say, that kid from Superbad had? I will say, the first, like, real snow that we had this year, my neighbors have, like, an eight-year-old, and she built the snowman, and then, like, it, like, turned to, like, 35 degrees the next day, so it already started to melt after a day. I saw her, like, stomping out the snowman, like, putting it out of its misery, and that brought me joy for, like, ten minutes, watching her, <laughs> like, full coup de grace stomping down this snowman. So at least this season has that going. Take that, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Honestly. Had she, taken it to the, had she taken it to the curb and given it a good old, like, boot, I'd have fucking, like, clap for her. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. On the topic of winter leisure activities, are we counting 
being forced inside by the cold and finding a new binge watch. Because that's I pretty good. That, I don't think that's exclusive to winter. I mean, because like a, you can do that anytime. But that, a good, that is a good rainy sometimes, day. Sometimes in the summer, I want to do that too. Like during the day, especially. Because <laughs> yeah. I was going to say we had a long weekend. Um, and of course, it was cold and snowy. And so we really didn't want to go out and do anything. Um, but we uh, we decided to start watching a binge that I've been discussing for a long time, and we've watched about half the episodes that there have been. Uh, we started watching Righteous Gemstones, finally. And was... we have really, really, really enjoying that. Okay. I mean, Danny McBride is so goddamn funny. I <laughs> fucking just... love Danny McBride. <laughs> he's a, he's a I, uh, Alex, have you, have you, speaking of things with Danny McBride on HBO, have you watched Eastbound and Down? Oh. Never have. That's also you on the list. Absolutely yeah. should. Yeah. My my favorite thing about Danny McBride, especially like in that like Eastbound and Down era, is he's just the same character in everything he does, but it works. Yeah. Even in This Is the End, where he was <laughs> oh, yes. himself, he's still just that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. Um. So something else that the month of January is good for is um, it really becomes your your testing ground for all your Christmas gifts. Um. Like, don't get us wrong. We enjoy all the gifts we get. And if we ever got a gift that we didn't enjoy, we certainly wouldn't say it because that's, you know, that's just violating the spirit of the whole thing. But just kind of negated your first statement there. (laughs) But I feel like about mid-January, you you really figure out which ones are the cream of the crop, which ones are kind of risen up to the top. So um, for you two, which which gifts have really uh, uh, gotten the most use so far? Well, um. So there's a couple for me. So as you mentioned, it's been, or as we all have mentioned by this point, it's been cold as shit. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also had some snow here recently. So last weekend, I just did not leave the house, like, literally at all. Did not set foot outside the entire fucking weekend. Um, so I put a lot of, uh, I didn't get a ton of, like, big, super practical stuff this year. Uh, I just didn't have a lot on the list. But I did get a fair amount of books, which is something I always enjoy getting. I did read a lot over this last week or so. I got some new vinyl that got to work out on the record player. Um, but honestly, I think the the thing that has been the most useful so far, um, Alex's girlfriend, Sarah, got me a coffee grinder. Oh, hell And mm-hmm. I had never... Uh, done that whole thing before i'd never ground my own coffee Mm -hmm. beans and it's really neat that you know some coffee only comes in whole bean variety and Mm -hmm. i like to try different stuff so i've been uh, kind of experimenting with some different different stuff with that that's been uh one of my favorite things yeah the the krups coffee grinder i mean i've been using one for years it's life-changing um like the pre-ground coffee's fine. I'm not going to turn my nose up to that, but like, yeah, especially on a weekend where just you know you're kind of getting to do things at your own pace and relax. Just having that cup of fresh ground coffee, chef's yeah. kiss, amazing. Get some uh, some bacon in there along with it. Just yeah, yeah. Not I not in the it. not in the cup. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. no. You do you do coffee that's wild a, over here. That's like a weird hipster fucking. That's that'd be that'd be like a that'd be like a Reddit thing from that, 2011 or say, or the most 2010 cup of coffee or a white trash Bloody Mary. Ah uh, yes, I'll, I'll order the Black Mary, please. <laughs> oh. Folks, do not go to a bar and try ordering something called the Black Mary. <laughs> 
anywhere and try and order that. I don't care if it's a sandwich restaurant and it's on the menu. Don't order it. <laughs> also, if you're starting a bar, don't call something that. <laughs> the Black Mary also sounds like the knockoff, like Pirates of the Caribbean ride, but like at like Indiana Beach theme park. Like you, you can't yeah. call it the Black Pearl. You call, call it the Black Mary. Yeah, the last time it was okay to call anything Black Mary, it was a ship. I can bam balam. <laughs> what about you, Jack John? What gifts really stood out to you? Um, other than like clothes, uh, I'm wearing my new God's Hate shirt, which I fucking love. Um, yeah. Probably the best excuse to break out my record player was like the three vinyl that I got. Uh, the one that you can't see, it's off screen. Uh, it's the Mac Miller NPR. Uh, they oh, pressed right. that and I fucking love it. Oh, they pressed um, the Tiny Desk concert? Yeah, the Tiny Desk NPR one. That's cool. It's so good. One of my favorites. Um, and then the Tenacious D vinyl that I got. And then the gift that I got myself, which I've talked about. Uh, Macho Man Randy Savage's Be a Man. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I've been yeah. getting so much play out of those over the last couple weeks. So definitely the vinyl. And then uh, I got a bunch of art shit on my wall. I've got my giant Malort poster. And uh, back when I lived alone, my first apartment, I bought a giant bear head that I named uh, Barry. Uh, and I finally got a replacement bear head that's over above my head now, uh, which I've named Other Barry slash Barry 2. Um, so <laughs> been getting reference. getting a good kick out of having those back up on I thought you were going to tell me you named it after me and I was going to slap it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bugbear. Uh, no relation. <laughs> Have we talked about God's Hate on the show before? Because they're a very guy band. <laughs> what I love about God's Not Hate... Not the band, the concept <laughs> we have definitely discussed. What I love about God's Hate and how I was introduced to them, which is a very Jack John way, is the lead singer... Brody King is a pro wrestler. Yes. And yeah. just the most guy looking pro wrestler of all time, I think. Like, mm-hmm. like head to toe tattoos, big mean motherfucker, cuddly as a teddy bear. Cuddy, cuddly as a teddy bear. Why is that so hard to say? But also has the most, like, what I consider on the nose hardcore punk band. Like, it's a little bit tongue in cheek. Yeah. <laughs> What I love, and I, I read the lyrics to my sister one day, and it's like, there's no subtlety here. This song wow. is about punching people who are Nazis. And well, the yeah, chorus that, basically they're... says, if you're a Nazi, I'm going to punch you in the face. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, famously, the song kill, uh, the song Finish the Job, yes. <laughs> which is which is about exterminating Nazis. It's, yeah. it's That's the main song of theirs, I know. It's so fucking good. It's yeah. so good. They're, it started out as an ironic listen, but became one of my favorite bands. <clears throat> so For sure. Yeah. Them I have not actually really listened to. Yeah. I've heard a little bit of their stuff. Um, it's so bizarre how, like, <laughs> pro wrestlers can just get into music and that's, like, an okay thing to do. Well, yeah. there, um, there's been plenty of them that have had horrible, horrible ventures. The fan, the band Fozzie exists. That's all, true. All, and you, and you all, just mentioned the Randy Savage album. Yes. Also, also, yeah, also do, you, do you want to address anything? Do you want to address anything, Chris Jericho? While we're here, uh, I what I've, a fucking maniac. Yeah. Look, Chris Jericho had uh, one of the Trump cum stains on his podcast like two years ago. It's like he's always been a piece of shit, um, yeah. and that's all I'll say. Yeah. So he, he's he's the like. Look, I'm not supporting him. I'm just giving him a platform to talk. Fuck you. Yeah. Also, don't do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, I'm pretty sure his wife was at January 6th, so fuck him. Yeah, twice. there's that too. 
Speaking of guy bands, Alex, you might be familiar with this one. So a genre that I have come to enjoy increasingly over the last few years is crossover thrash, which is a mixture of hardcore punk and um, uh, thrash metal what? in the Slayer type vein. Yeah, yeah. My per- my personal favorite. I fucking love the band Power Trip. Uh, R.I.P. Riley uh-huh. Gale. They yes, don't really yes. Anymore. I ha- actually have their uh, last album on vinyl. Oh, but yeah. have you guys heard of a band called Municipal Waste? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a very, a yeah. very guy band, yeah. They actually played at that last year at Warp Tour, but we didn't see them. A very guy band. So they're a crossover band. They're also quite tongue-in-cheek, yeah. <laughs> that all, all of their lyrics are like Attila lyrics. They're just yeah. all about getting God. fucked up. <laughs> I found... Um, you know an old album I was listening to? I, I was going to mention this in a previous episode, and I don't know why I didn't, but something that is interesting in music trend to me is that of all the kind of like niche scene kid-ish genres that are really having a revival of deathcore, deathcore is back yeah. and better yeah. than ever. And Yeah, and really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, I've gone back and listened to some of the, the classic deathcore stuff and by classic i mean like you know 2005 through 2009 yeah, yeah. i was re-listening to uh the amur album felony oh, oh amur was one of my favorite bands in high school like that speaker of the Did dead that? just like uh, breakdowns for three and a half minutes with some of the cringiest lyrics but fuck Solar fun. Flare, homicide yeah the, the song drug dealer friend which is kind of the most about... animal <laughs> example yeah <laughs> Watching watching a drug dealer get his dick sucked and then writing a song about it. Fuck yeah, let's do it. <laughs> but that immure the Acacia Strain feud when it existed, like they've squashed their beef now. But that was like that was like a rap style feud. Like they were writing songs about murdering each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, is is there anything more pathetic though than like pop punk feuds? Like I remember, wasn't it like Four Years Strong and A Day to Remember, where like like the song Second Sucks. And like, yeah, it like, really like, sucked to be well, four that years was a strong. Response. So, yeah, what happened here? Look, I love four years strong, but they yeah. were such they took, bitches about this. Yeah, they took the owl on this. They, yeah. they, so they were on tour. They and a day to remember, and I don't think either, neither of them was headlining. They were like main support for somebody. They were on tour when a day to remember really started to blow up. Yeah, like homesick era. Yeah. So when that happened, the tour was like, okay, we're going to bump a day to remember to like our main support slot. We're going to give them like 10 more minutes of set time. Yeah. And we're going to cut, take that out of four years strong. You go from like 45 minutes to like an hour 15, which mm-hmm. I know I, I'm sure it sucks. <laughs> yeah. But four years strong wrote a song called the uh, Paul Revere's midnight ride um, taking shots at a day to remember, who then responded with Second Sucks, which was the ether yeah. of metalcore. Yeah. I mean, they just got completely <laughs> and totally annihilated. A song that was like so prevalent that when I saw them like three years ago, they're still opening with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I looked up. So the, the Immure song Felony contains such lyrics. Uh, Blue moon bottle right across your head. I broke your face and all you did was snitch, you little bitch. I thought you were hard, son. I thought you were Mr. I don't give a fuck. Turns out you're the soft one. You've got 12 months, so I suggest you get a gun. (laughs) You should have just accepted that you got your ass kicked. Now, you you and all your friends are on my shit list. You're going to die, and I'll be there in court to tell your mother why. 
Oh my god. <laughs> and like, this isn't the 90s. You can't just write that shit anymore. <laughs> but that's that's what we were listening to when we were like 15. You know? Yeah. We're bugs bobbing right. our heads. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you should right. get a the, gun. The new, the new stuff is... There's a lot of new deathcore that's that's really really good. Um, Signs of the Swarm. Signs solid. of the Swarm is one of my Carnifex re-recorded a lot of their early stuff and it's pretty good. But all I mean massive massive cringe factor in all of them, but um, Oh yeah, yeah. But that's definitely. fine, you know. It's fine to have some fun with it. Um You know, I, we listen to pop punk like yeah. we completely <laughs> Who are we to judge anybody else, right? Yeah. Yeah. If we were completely to eschew cringe in all of its various forms, um, yeah, yeah it, it just most of the music we listen yeah. to, we wouldn't listen to. Speaking yeah, bands of... like them, Brand of Sacrifice, Spite is one I'm oh, really Brand of Sacrifice. Oh, Spite. I love Spite because in the middle of a song, he'll just start barking and he'll be like, fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's some good shit out there. So for me, the gifts that have kind of risen to the top, <laughs> we'll say this for, for, this is so far. I did just uh, install my lava lamp uh, actually here in my spare room. Let's see. How much light is it giving me now? Not much. Um, <laughs> you the It gives you the amount of lighting that you would have expected on like an Omega or, or Omega webcam in like 2008. <laughs> yeah, you look you look very much as though you were about to tell some sort of spooky tale. <laughs> um, by the Which way, Cody, I, I, did, uh, I did look up. Um, What's in a lava lamp? Uh, a formula from a 1968 U.S. patent consisted of water in a transparent, translucent, or opaque mix of mineral oil, paraffin wax, and carbon tetrachloride. Sounds tasty. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pretty sure that's just the out. ingredients to a LaCroix. <laughs> <laughs> um, but two that really stick out is, and th- this is how I can tell I'm getting old and tedious, because in my younger years, I never would have thought this would be like a favorite Christmas gift. But I did specifically ask for this. I got a fancy new electric toothbrush. Ooh, and let me nice. tell you, this thing, this thing is is really, really good. Has multiple <laughs> settings. Um, Which brings us to today's sponsor, Quip. <laughs> we, uh, it has a, a clean, a whiten, and a polish setting. And, you know, I, I got a... My... my I hate flossing. Everybody does. Yeah. But uh, having a really good electric toothbrush, I mean, your home tooth care can be uh, uh, really, really solid. Um, so that's been, I've really been enjoying that. But other than that, is actually, these, I, Sarah got me a couple of, um, she got me some Bombas slipper socks. Oh, fuck Which yeah. I also uh, definitely requested because I love the Bombas slipper socks, but they don't last more than like a year. So, so um, every year you need Mo Bombas? <laughs> God damn it. You know, I suppose so. I suppose I do. <laughs> I, I can't dispute any of that. I'm seething. <laughs> Good. Just sometimes you just got to give it up. You know, what's what's the point <laughs> fighting it? It, it just, you're right. God damn it. You're right. Um, anyway, so these things are so fucking comfortable. Um, Bombas has really, really good products. Uh but they they also do that thing, and I, I don't think too much about this because I don't I don't want to think about it too much. Where it's like every pair of socks you buy, they donate a pair of socks. That seems good on the surface. I just never want to look into like what any major company's uh, supposed charity is because it it seems yeah. to always be horseshit to some degree. Um, 
the most the most interesting one of those I saw recently was right before Christmas. I went into um, God damn, I always get these two mixed up. I, I always get Petco and PetSmart mixed up. Is um, is that like an like an Aldi Whole Foods thing where they're basically just the same fucking company? I mean, it's two pet stores, whichever one yeah. I went to. Um, I think it was. It's whichever one the logo is a dog and a cat. I think. I think that is PetSmart. I think you're right. God, it's gonna. I think pet, I think Petco's got the paw print logo. Yes, and there's one of them that I like better than the other because one of them has a better variety of uh, 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 cat food. Yeah, PetSmart is is where I went. You're right. Um, so I went to buy some Freddy supplies. And when I go to check out, they always have a thing where it's like uh, um, when you're checking out, like donate like one dollar, two dollar, five dollar, ten dollar um, to pets in need. And I pretty much, you know, I'll always give them a few bucks. Why not? Yeah. But they also did one where it's like, a, would you like to donate a toy to um, a children's hospital? Now, that was not the part that was that was interesting to me. I can't even remember how much more it was. It was not it was like 10 bucks or something like that. Negligible amount. I'll give them that. But what I found interesting about the, the the delivery of this was rather than just like in the abstract, like give us the extra ten bucks, and we're we're telling you here that you have our word that this is going to go to Children's <laughs> Hospital. The cashier actually had a pile of toys and grabbed one. And when I when I said yes and paid the extra, she like set it aside. <laughs> that honestly sketch me out even more than them just not <laughs> showing me the toy. Because then I'm like, do you mean to tell me that if not enough people say yes, that the rest of those toys are just going in the fucking trash? Like, what are you doing? Like, you already bought them. Just give them to the fucking kids. <laughs> what do you need my help for? They just get on a hot mic. All right, Billy, come get a toy. It's like, like it's a cave where like an IV pole comes out, grabs a stuffed animal, and goes back to the back. Like, surely you could write that off on your taxes anyway. Why are you asking me to subsidize? You already bought it. I thought I'm giving you the money and you go buy a bunch of toys. I'm fine with that arrangement. (laughs) That's that's such a weird physical representation. (laughs) Really bizarre. She just had the pile of toys sitting behind it. And it was getting late in the business day. And there was still a bunch of them there. So apparently PetSmart shoppers are are not in the mood to help out the children at Children's Hospital. So hopefully they all got their toys or else... Somebody, I don't know. Somebody just took them home. I don't know. Um, speaking of cats, what's going on over there? I don't know. I think Potato just found a bug or something. I see. She's stalking uh, something in your side room currently. <laughs> I'm sure if I'm in danger, you'll you guys will let me know. So we got uh, one more thing to discuss before we get on to the main part of the show. Uh, we Jeremy emailed us today, and. Um, Instead of a topic of discussion, he decided to send us, uh, he's been cataloging um, some bumper stickers that he finds out in the wild, and wanted to share some of the bumper sticker combinations with us. So a few of these seem like people we might hang out with. Um, (laughs) One of them definitely does not, though. We'll get to that. The first one he sends, um, not too much objectionable, but they, this person very much enjoys their, their bumper stickers, I would say. They have one that says masculinity is what you make it. Uh, one that says honk if you're exhausted. One that says trains people belong here. One that is a picture of a Bigfoot and says stop following me. And then another says uh, keep honking. I'm listening to a jazz record that I bought at and I'm not sure what the store is, but um, <laughs> I think it's called Luna. Perhaps is there a yeah. 
Luna's the local record shop, yeah. I got you. So that just seems like someone we would hang out with. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But none of—I don't know—none of the people we hang out with are bumper sticker guys, are they? Because that's a specific that type of person. That's—it's a specific level of unhinged that's like very much on like the brink of like going wrong in either direction. I'm trying to think of which of of the people in our circle would be bumper sticker guys. Like maybe Ruben, maybe <laughs> Sam. Sam would think that was stupid. Yeah. Sam would find some objection to that. Either he do it, or he, either that, or he do it to piss everybody off. It's that's also possible. He, he would maybe do it as a bit, but that's the only yeah. way it would happen. You're right. I, I could see Ruben doing it, but to make it the most Ruben thing possible, they're on like his computer instead of his like uh, car, <laughs> like they're on the all, shell of his PC. They're all reptile related. <laughs> so My th- other car is a snake. So this next one he sent me is, I think like hippie Jack John. Um, Cause they have a sticker for good earth, natural food company and a couple other brands. I don't recognize a tattoo shop called mythical wizard tattoo. Um, a sticker that is a, uh, a vaccine and says, thanks science. I don't know to what, <laughs> I don't know what their angle is on that one. So that could really yeah, cut either what, way. Is, is that yeah. ironic or not? I think this person's cool based on one of the other stickers, but I don't know. Anytime anyone has anything to say about vaccines, I'm tone is so important. Yes, yes. Um, one that says loud music. One that says I heart bad music. <laughs> I did think that one was funny. And then, oh, and then they also have a dick butt. <laughs> okay, that's why I, I think I, they're cool. Yeah. Also, I, I could see like I heart bad music being just like a riot fest sticker. Yeah. Yeah. With a picture of John Stamos. Yeah. <laughs> so the third car he sent um, has two bumper stickers. One of them says proud owner of this bumper sticker. And the other one has a picture of Ted Cruz and says, this man ate my son. <laughs> Again, also seems like it could be one of us. Yeah. It, 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 what I love about bumper stickers is they either come from like a grifting, like bullshit right wing source or hot topic in Spencer's. And there's nowhere else you get them. Yeah. Like those, those are the places. A local thing here, like, you know, record shop stickers is definitely a thing. But, like, I don't know. I haven't done that yet. I put them on my laptop. I haven't done yeah. it with my car yet. Yeah, like, I've got a skateboard I, where I put all of my yeah. bumper stickers. Yeah. This last one, I don't think we would hang out with this guy. Um, <laughs> he has a big, dumbass truck. And in the uh, back windshield, the best way I can describe this is that it is a logo of a uh, an AR-15 with uh, the background image appears to be a skull in crosshairs, and it says Assault Life. It's like that. Oh. You're kind of giving away the whole game up front there. Yeah. Let me just say. Like, you're supposed to lie and say it's for, like, protection or hunting or something. <laughs> you're not supposed to admit that you just want to assault people. Yeah. You know? Like, that's we know that's why, but you should you shouldn't say it. God damn it. That's, so I, I don't gross. think we would hang out with that person, but the other one's perhaps. <laughs> what, I, what I love about bumper sticker people like that is they have no qualms destroying their property to make some sort of point, uh-huh. which is usually just I'm an insane person. Like Steve yeah. Lightfoot ruined a hundred million vans to convince <laughs> people that uh, Stephen King shot John Lennon. Like, he ruined those vans to get a point across. Like, but at what cost? 
Yeah, these are the people that you see on Twitter. Um, anytime any company does something that they term woke, yeah. which is basically just like having a commercial with black people in it, uh, they will post pictures of themselves destroying uh, whatever product that that thing sells. Uh, company sells that they used to own, which is a hilarious self-own because you just broke something that you already paid for. <coughs> yeah. uh, you already gave that company money. Now you're just inconveniencing yourself. One of one of my it's not a bumper sticker. I'm pretty sure it was like an actual window decal, but this is from back in like the mid 20 teens. It was like a, the entirety of the back of a truck. Obama's face was like a two foot by two foot square in the middle. And then it said jihad equals destroy from within. And it just had Obama's face there. And it's just like, why the fuck are you the way that you are? What that you would done? be a, that would be a cool band shirt, though. <laughs> if, if I tape put that shirt out as like a bit, I would I would probably buy it. Yeah, yeah that's true. It, there is a like a razor thin line between like hardcore and alt right dick fucks. <laughs> yeah. That's that's pretty disturbing. Yeah. Well, thanks, Jeremy, for the bumper stickers. Keep sending them our way. Uh, if you have anything you want to send us, uh, email us at here's a mailbox at gmail.com. Uh, so as fun as that all was, <laughs> we got to get on to our main part of the episode. We got to talk about some guys. Although this week we're doing it a little bit different. Um, kind of impromptu, we have a theme episode this week. Um, rather than guys or gals, we've had some isolated topics of this type before. But for the first time ever, we'll be discussing three critters. That's right. We're getting the critter quotient up on this show. Um, we have three animal topics to bring you. Um, so, Jack John, could you uh, help me out, please? Uh, yeah, I think I remember it. It's uh, the guys. Could you do it again, but could you do it the critters? I thought about doing that, but I was like, all right, let's go for it. Uh, the critters. Fantastic. Perfect. Well, now I'm in the mood. Um, Welcome to Animal Planet presents Here's a Guy. <laughs> Imagine if like our first big deal is Animal Planet. I fucking love that. I I haven't watched Animal Planet Guys in a while, nature, but I'm yeah. like most cable channels, I'm sure it's shite now. I'm sure it's uh, all crappy reality shows. My son and I were watching Animal Planet an hour ago. We were watching Dogs 101, which was just telling JT about different kinds of dogs. That's okay, that's fine. Yeah, okay, it was actual one. Animal Planet. It wasn't like Bigfoot treks through North Dakota bullshit. You, you know what? You know what I hate to say. That was on later, but is but is true. If you want good nature stuff anymore, I, I hate to give the Brits credit for anything, but you really got to go with BBC documentaries. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of those wind up on HBO, which uh, was another binge Sarah and I had. We yeah. watched Frozen Planet. So the the perfect animal documentary has an uninterested, very very dry tone telling you about the entire ordeal. <laughs> and David Attenborough. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. So our first animal, um, we turn to me for um, the first critter. Uh, this week, I have what I believe to be. A, here's a guy first. Here's a bird. Because um, we've had a lizard, we've had a bear, we've had a poodle, maybe another animal in there someplace, but I don't think we've had a bird, have we? I don't believe uh, so. I don't think so. No. Pookie is already typing an email telling us we're all idiots. <laughs> we did have a cat. We did have a cat. A delinquent cat, yeah. That's no, two cats actually. I did a couple of them. But never a bird. Mostly a lizard. A li lizards and mammals have kind of been our, our purview so far as far as animals go. We also had a building one time, but 
That's just the kind of variety you expect. And a, and a uh, here's a guy and a troll. Yes, and an entire airport. Um, that we'll talk statue. about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but this week I have a here's a bird. Um, and I also want to say I I know my topics have been a little grim lately. Um, three episodes ago, two thousand people burned to death in a church fire. Uh, two episodes ago, an entire city was destroyed by a volcano, and last week, a teenager died as a result of a workplace sexual harassment-related mishap. So this week, I'm changing pace by bringing you an inspiring story for once. I uh, cannot wait for the rug to be pulled out from all of us. Well, with that being said, it's going to be a great surprise when I tell you that we're headed back to World War One, Like, maybe one of the, <laughs> the worst events in the history of the world to experience, yeah. And here, Alex tells us about the origin of the canary in the coal mine. Yay! Here's a bird they trained to drop mustard gas. (laughs) (laughs) This bird is the reason we had the Geneva Convention. (laughs) So first, let's go over what led to the start of World War I. No, just kidding. Can you, can you imagine how big, wow. big of a waste of time that would be? Oh, boy. New Here's a Guy episode. Why is this eight hours long? Oh, God. My guy this week is Gavrilo Princip. <laughs> um, he was he was kind of a guy, though. That's true. Yeah, well, by by definition, yeah. Yeah. So part of what made World War One so interesting and so horrifying was that it was kind of a transitionary period from the olden types of warfare from the 18th and 19th centuries to the more modern style of warfare we saw in the mid to late 20th century. It saw new innovations and new ideas, but still wasn't quite out of the more antiquated framework of the Victorian era. Yeah, we we, we tried to keep it camp, and that didn't really work out too well, did it? No. Uh, this led to some of the truly nightmarish aspects of World War I, such as trench warfare and mustard gas, but in some cases it could be more quaint. Um, One example was the use of homing pigeons. Technology had not yet reached a level to where important messages could be easily and quickly passed between military units, something like a CB radio, but people had figured out how to train birds to pass little notes back and forth. One such pigeon pigeon was our bird of the story, Cher Ami. So do either of you two have any Cher puns lined up, or do, do you want me to just wait? Uh, I don't believe so. All right. Uh, I don't have a share pun, but I was going to say, uh, what was this? Mario and Luigi's pigeon? Share me a letter. <laughs> you know what? That's so stupid. <laughs> no, you know what, Jack John? That's your best one in a while. I've, I've, <laughs> we're doing we're, we're having a good episode. I think. <laughs> we've all been kind of we've all had some that are on the money. I'll- Alex is a dad driving us to like vacation. He's like, God damn it, we're gonna have a good trip, okay? We're gonna have a good one. Um so the homing pigeons of the US military were under the purview of the US Army Signal Corps. Cherami was not himself an American bird, but was donated to the Signal Corps by British pigeon fanciers. Uh, <laughs> which is not which, what it sounds like. Yeah, the joke kind of writes itself there, yeah. yeah. And you British? know what's really funny is that it's British. Yeah. They're the only country who uses fancy in that context. Yes, yeah. yeah. They knew uh, what they were doing. <laughs> I, I will say, British pigeon fancier sounds like the kind of thing you read after you've checked out Sky Mall. Um, I will say, I, also, I always enjoy a wartime sacrifice where something else will be bearing the brunt of the consequences. <laughs> so, like, sending your birds off to war, for example. Very noble of you. Because I can't imagine uh, the British pigeon fanciers were on the front lines 
Um, but perhaps fittingly, Cherami, whose name is French for dear friend, was assigned to the Meuse-Argonne offensive along the Western Front in France. Unfortunately for Cherami, the uh, Meuse-Argonne offensive was what you could fairly describe as being in the shit. Uh, yeah. This was the, the biggest... <laughs> the Argonne is a... An area of Europe that was very, very bad to be in at this point. Yes, yeah. Yeah, imagine being a part of Europe during World War One, where you're in the bad part, where everything was the bad part. Yeah. If you were, if it was the year 1918, <laughs> that that was probably the worst place to be, was, was the Argonne. Yeah. Um, you'd the probably Argonne rather be just about anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. that's... <laughs> um, this was the biggest part of the final Allied offensive that eventually brought the war to an end. Um, while important and ultimately successful, it was kind of a clusterfuck. Um, many of the American troops involved were inexperienced, and to make matters worse, this was during the heat of the Spanish flu outbreak. Um, between the two sides, 350,000 lives were lost in the span of about a month and a half. That was the Argonne. That's, yeah. yeah. That was when everyone realized, ah, oh, fuck, war kind of fucking sucks. Can we sucks, not man. do this anymore? Why, why do we call this the Great War again? Now, thankfully, we learned our lesson. Um, the war to end all wars, 17 uh, global for, conflicts later. For, for a while, yeah. It was actually uh, just the war to end that war. <laughs> Cherami was assigned to a unit of about 550 troops led by Mayor, uh, Major Charles White Whitlessey. Um, the events of October 1918 would lead to this unit being dubbed the Lost Battalion. Ooh, <laughs> an oh encouraging boy. start. <laughs> Never want to course... be a member of the Lost anything. No. Unless it's the Lost Boys, in which case depends on whether you want to be a vampire or not. <laughs> Which my answer would be probably not. <laughs> I just don't want to hang out with Kiefer Sutherland that long. Yeah, the there's that. You're he right. seems like he, he seems like he'd be a little grating after a while. Yeah. Um, over the course of a few days, the Lost Battalion found themselves in a rather unfavorable situation due almost entirely to miscommunications. The unit had made their way to the Argonne Forest of France, right along, for lack of a better word, the front of the Western Front. On October 2nd, Whitlessey and his men were flanked on either side by French battalions. The three units coordinated an offensive wherein the Americans would make their way up this big hill with the French units protecting their flanks. The Americans succeeded in reaching the peak of the hill, but for the first but not last time in the sequence of events, miscommunication fucked them. Ah. The problem yeah. was that both the left and right French flanking units ran into massive German counterattacks and had to fall back. The Americans were now outflanked on both sides, and since they were launching an offensive into the German front, this effectively meant they were surrounded. There was going to be a delay in the Americans learning this anyway, but to make matters worse, the runner sent to notify them was noticed by the Germans. Oof. He was caught. The runner, an American named George Quinn, put up a hell of a fight taking out three Germans on his own, but ultimately uh, he couldn't escape and they killed him. Shit. The, the, the runner couldn't get away, huh? I couldn't get away. Sounds like maybe he wasn't that good at his job. <laughs> hey, you literally have one job in that situation. Sounds like he was a much better fighter than runner. 
Yeah, they 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 <laughs> fucked up this assignment. Put this guy in like the melee unit. <laughs> yeah, find find the biggest coward you've got in your army and make him the runner. He's yeah. got incentive. Well, you, you see that soldier over there? He's six four and two eighty five. Let's make him the runner. I don't think he can fight much. Eventually, the Americans figured out something was wrong, and they took out the best position they could while they attempted to reestablish communication with their allies and figure out if anyone could help them. Whitlessy tried sending out runners in the directions of both of his flanks. When precisely zero of them returned, he knew that his worst <laughs> suspicions were true. They were surrounded. Well, <laughs> that's not good. What was curious, though, was that the Germans weren't attacking them. Here, a mistake actually benefited them. The Germans, for whatever reason, overestimated the size of the American battalion and held off at first thinking they were outnumbered, even though they actually weren't. It was inevitable the Germans would attack, but this bought the Americans some time to better prepare. On October 3rd, the fighting began. The Germans actually had the numbers, but the Americans were scrappy and inflicted heavy casualties. The fighting died down, then picked back up on October 4th. Here is where a miscommunication fucked the Americans yet again. It's long been a matter of debate whose fault this was. Um, some say Whitlessly sent the wrong coordinates to his allies. Some say the allies got the correct coordinates but miscalculated on their own. One way or another, indisputably, the Americans were trapped on the north slope of the ravine. They asked for supporting fire from their allies, but the allies somehow or another think the Americans are on the south slope. Oh, that's uh, not good. <clears throat> So they start firing on the north slope, thinking they're suppressing the Germans, but in reality, they're unwittingly firing on their own men. <laughs> Jesus. Germans like, these guys are fucking crazy. <laughs> now, uh, Whitlessy's men are in even deeper shit. They're surrounded by Germans on this hill and are under fire both from their foes and their friends. Whitlessy needs to get a message to his allies immediately if they want to have any hope. And he saw how sending runners went. Yeah. This is where he turned to the pigeons. Whitlessy had That's the three... phrase I've always wanted to hear somebody <laughs> say. Whitlessy had three homing pigeons under his command. Um, of the three, Cherami was actually third in the rotation. Um, he had, himself was an accomplished homing pigeon, having done some other successful missions in France, but nothing this daring. Whitlessy sends up the first pigeon, and it was immediately shot down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is fucking World War One. They're not going to take it easy on this thing. <laughs> um, he tries again oh. with a second pigeon. That one, too, was quickly shot down. So then he turns to Cherami and is just like, well, <laughs> guess it's up to you. In their last ditch effort, he ties a note to Cherami and sends him on his way. There was zero logical reason for him to expect this to work given the first two attempts. He was just operating on pure blind hope. <laughs> Surely they won't shoot down a third bird. Cherami <laughs> takes off and makes it to the thick of the shit. He isn't directly hit like the first two, but a mortar shell explodes just below him, killing five soldiers and knocking Cherami out of the sky. Oh my god. So it looked like that was it. They were fucked. They were doomed. That was their last hope of getting the message out. In fact, Cherami was badly wounded. But what the Germans hadn't counted on was that this is one tough bird. Cherami retakes flight, continues on his path, and evades all the other gunfire to make it past the German line. 
On the other side of the hill, the Allies firing on what they think are the Germans, but are actually their own men, are greeted by quite the sight. This pigeon, Cherami, comes flopping out of the sky. He's been shot through the chest, one of his eyes was shot out, and his right leg was hanging onto his body by only a tendon. Damn. Jesus Christ. <clears throat> he lands as best as he can and delivers the note from Major Whitlessey, which reads as follows. We are along the road parallel to 276.4. Our own artillery is dropping a barrage directly on us. For heaven's sake, stop it. <laughs> Which is probably, in military professionalism, probably about as close as you can get to, will you fuck off? Will you stop? <laughs> Knock it the fuck off? Look, I know my name is Witless, but you guys are a bunch of gaggling fucking idiots. Stop. <clears throat> Cherami had saved the lost battalion in two ways, both in the short term and the long term. In the short term, the Allies seized the friendly fire, which would have wiped them out if they had gone on much longer. In the long term, it made clear how dire their situation really was, which led the Allies to call for reinforcements from surrounding areas. The fighting on the hill continued for several days still. Like, it was just fucking brutal. At points when ammunition ran out, Americans and Germans turned to hand-to-hand -hand combat. So there's just, like, fist oh. fights breaking out all over this hill. <laughs> God. It's, it's insane. Eventually, other American divisions arrived and managed to save their remaining allies. The cost was heavy. Of the 550 men originally in the Lost Battalion, only 194 survived, including Major Whitlessey, who I imagine was pretty pissed. <laughs> yeah. And Cherami, and here's my Gonzo the Great read, and Cherami, who did not die, <laughs> um, upon landing, Cherami was taken in immediately by the army medics. They were not able to save his leg, but they were able to treat his wounds and save his life. He was hailed as a hero of the army, credited in no small part for saving the 194 survivors of the Lost Battalion. When he'd recovered enough to travel, he received a personal send-off from General John Pershing. The greatest honor that one could possibly <laughs> receive. <laughs> he was put on a boat to the U.S. and was given a nice retirement at Fort Monmouth, New Jersey. Could they maybe have chosen somewhere nicer than a military base in New Jersey? I, I guess, but... <laughs> Whatever. Say, they retired him. Like Jamaica or something. Give him a lion shirt and some sunglasses. The Florida Keys, he can go fuck parrots for the rest of his life. <laughs> Streaking some nectar out of a tiny, tiny coconut that's been cut in half. Oh, that's adorable. Sadly, he passed away just a year later, but since then has become one of the most decorated animals in military history and a revered figure in the pigeon fancier community. He was inducted into the Racing Pigeon Hall of Fame. He received a gold medal from the Organized Bodies of American Racing Pigeon Fanciers. And that's one of those things where it's like, what was like the clown interest group that we discussed long ago? <laughs> um, like, can you imagine yeah. running PR for that fucking thing? Like, I guess everybody's yeah. got to have a job. But yeah, do, do like the Pigeon Fancier Club, like, do they meet like quarterly? Like, how often do you? I, I don't know. I, I love any group whose slogan is, it's not what it sounds like. <laughs> I swear I have a real job outside of this. I'm very respected. Please listen to me. <laughs> Nothing sexual. <laughs> Two guys to hang out in our party mansion. <laughs> History will say they were the best of bird friends. <laughs> he was awarded the Croix de Guerre medal by the French military, which is basically their equivalent of the Bronze Star. Um, in 2019, the U.S. created a new category of award for heroic animals called the Animals in War and Peace Medal of Bravery. 
Cherami was posthumously among the first eight recipients, alongside one other pigeon, a horse, and five dogs. Despite the fact that Cherami died over a hundred years ago, you can still see him. And I can testify to this, because in what I think is another Here's a Guy first, I've seen him in person. His body was taxidermied and has been on display at the Smithsonian National Museum of American History since 1921. Um, which, uh, when my dad and I were in, were in D.C., we went to all the Smithsonian museums. I don't specifically remember seeing a bird, but I'm sure I did. I think that'd be See, like a prominent display. It, it, I feel like there's a little disconnect here. If you do that for military animal heroes, you should have to do that for all military heroes. Just have them stuffed. <laughs> And put somewhere. See how their families like it. <laughs> the, t- the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier by Jim Henson. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Sweetums. Yeah. Oh my god. <clears throat> um, he's part of the museum's Price of Freedom exhibit, displayed alongside my next week's topic. Ooh. So it's a bit of a cliffhanger. Um... And uh, my big question to the two of you is actually going to go in with Jack John's big question, if that's all right. I'm going to piggyback yeah, yours. Yeah. I think your question will uh, work better with uh, Sheremy yes. involved as well. I agree. Um, but before we move on, and th- this is why we do a big question, because otherwise this is how we transition. Do either of you have any other thoughts about this pigeon? Yeah. It, I... No. Is my yeah. how, how does a pigeon yeah. get shot through yeah. the chest and yeah? Left? So that's my, like I said, pigeons, it's just are, a tough pigeons bird. are not large, and bullets are not tiny. I mean, the, what are the, the odds that missed his heart? The the Germans would have done a lot better in World War One had they not been furnished with Red Rider BB guns. <laughs> well, just to think about it, last week George Spencer Millet ran away from some <laughs> from some sexy lady to, at his office and fell yeah. down and it pierced his heart. Yeah. This bird got shot in the fucking chest and it was just yeah. fine. The amount of people that have died in the stupidest fucking ways on this show. For like, this bird people, to live, yeah. Yeah, like people have died from elephant tusks to the dick. Like, And, and this bird is like, yeah, I got shot six times. Fuck you. I'm the Tupac of birds. Eat my ass. <laughs> the unstoppable force versus a movable object is Sherami versus Kachi the Poodle. Yes. Because we got Kachi the Poodle falling off a balcony, he's fucking killing everything in its path. Yeah. There's a Jeremy who just is cannot be destroyed. But no homing pigeon dies before its time, I suppose. Other than maybe the so, first two that wait, we'll see long maybe so I, I, unless yeah. it's their time, I don't know. You said he lost an eye. Yeah. Did they yeah. give him a little tiny eye patch? Please I hope tell so. me they did. That's not on display. <laughs> but maybe yeah, I'm imagining just like the most like looks like a dog ate it bird on display with like somebody there in white gloves. Like this bird was a hero. He, he makes me, he makes me think of like, what were his later years like? And I just imagine him with that eye patch in a little suit behind a tiny, tiny desk. Like, yeah, I'm off active duty now. I paid my time, but now he's like giving other pigeons their assignments. <laughs> he's, He's like a like the scorned Lieutenant Dan. He's in a tiny pigeon wheelchair. He's just like pissed <laughs> off at the government for sending him to Jersey, giving him a proper retirement. His little yeah, bowl in his cage is filled with whiskey. <laughs> yeah, I mentioned that they found him uh, dead the year prior. What I didn't, or the year after, what I didn't mention is that uh, scrawled into his tiny little office was Cherami was here. <laughs> oh, that's dark. That's dark. Uh, also, thoughts out to Jim Irsay. Um, yeah. Jesus Christ. 
Well, with that, uh, we turn to our next uh, uh, our next critter of the episode. And for that, we go to Jack John. Jack John, who's your critter? Yeah. Uh, over the course of this show, we've all kind of found our comfort zone. Alex thrives in the peculiar side of law and archaeology. Cody in sports and the traveling oddities. And this week, I find myself back in mine. Furry friends of the World War. Uh, again, I'm taking us back to the Great War, which Alex just brought us to with my new friend, Jackie, the Chakama Baboon. Okay. Here's a monkey again. <laughs> Another monkey. Yeah. Uh, there needs, I need to at some point take down a list of like every topic we've done and just to see really where our wheelhouse has been at. I know I do a lot of war topics, but like, I'm starting to realize that animal topics are just some of my absolute fucking favorites. This is gonna they're, they're always a great ma- time. In you making some kind of giant chart or graph that like yeah. consumes all of your time and makes Laura worry about your stuff. <laughs> I noticed even ordering a lot of like red string. Are you okay? Uh, we've crossed enemy lines with animals before, most notably on my end from one of my favorite topics to date, Corporal Wojtek, the Polish bear who served in World War II. Uh, Wojtek famously found his way into the battlefield through adoption of a group of Polish soldiers and won over the battalion through various tricks and morale-boosting feats. Also found his way deep into the uh, March Hagnus tournament. Yes. One of the Cinderella stories. He really has, and I, I, think, I think he might be my favorite topic to date. Um, he's a sweetheart. Yeah, yeah, he's he's one of the mascots of the show, along with like Giuseppe and the aforementioned Jim Irsay. Yeah, he's a very he's a very good bear. Yeah. Yes, and while over the course of this show, uh, Wojtek has been the poster bear for feats of ridiculous nature, but after my research for this topic, I might propose that Jackie may soon take, if not that spot, a very close second. Jackie, as I previously mentioned, is a Chakama baboon. C H A C M A. Uh, this variation of the species is one of the oldest known to its native South Africa, where our story will take place. South Africa. <laughs> the land were you meaning to? <laughs> were you meaning to say it like a South African or like Howard Cosell? No, that was South Africa. <laughs> if it were There's Howard Cosell, it would be a. Yeah, Howard Cosell's delivery is very much. It, it's yeah. got a little kiwi in it for sure. <laughs> Um, but the Chakma also boasts itself as one of the larger baboons, with the adults peaking out at nearly 100 pounds and reaching 45 inches from head to toe length. They're shown to be very adept at forging and incredibly social creatures. <clears throat> to bring this back to yet another topic of mine, previously covered Jack the Railway Signalman, was also famously, uh, who famously helped a railway station in South Africa, was also a Chakma baboon. So yet another one of my topics tying in here. Was famously Alex, a baboon. He was yeah, famously Alex, a baboon. Do, do you want to say it or should I? No, you go for it. They're baboons. The goons are even worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. God, Arthur was so fucking funny. <laughs> even now, it's still funny. Yeah. Um, thinking back to something we talked about in my topic, are, are animals the only, are humans the only animals that wear eye patches in some contexts? Because now I'm picturing like a baboon or an orangutan wearing an eye patch, and I love it. I mean, I know they're the the only ones that that do so willingly, (laughs) but uh, I think you can put an eye patch on just about anything that'll hold still long enough. But is that part of like ordinary veterinary care for any other animal with an eye situation? Uh, Surely, surely it has to be for. I I have homework for all of us. We all have a cat. It is our goal to see if any one of us can put an eye patch on any of. 
Even you, if I had an eye patch, my hand would look like I stuck it in a garbage disposal after that. Yeah, you're you're more than welcome to try putting an eye patch on my cat, but you've seen what he looks like. Yeah. Being which part right now he he's fucking he's underneath my desk because there's a hot air vent and he's just like wallering down there. <laughs> Masking. Yeah. But Jackie, but Jackie was adopted into the family of Albert Marr in the early 1910s. Jackie had been roaming around Albert's farm and was brought in and taught to be a member of the family. This relationship seemed to flourish with Albert taking a great liking to Jackie. One source I used stated, quote, Jackie lived with Marr for several years, learning how to be a respectable young baboon. My fair um, monkey. <laughs> which, like, Makes me wonder if that's just, you know, basically being like, hey, he was a good baboon, like, and like, didn't like maul the children, or like, what exactly a respectable baboon would be in this context? Now, repeat <laughs> after me the rain in Spain falls mainly on the plain. <laughs> yeah, I guess I hadn't thought about it before, but yeah, not mauling the children is the baseline expectation. Like, anything like, after that's just gravy. Like, this week they... after monkey probation officers, monkey <laughs> finishing school. I was gonna say, like, is like, is this monkey going through etiquette school? Like, does it have like books on its head and it's like practicing posture? Like, what exactly does it mean to be a respectable young baboon? If you this fling is... shit at your debutante ball, is that a faux pas? <laughs> this is the spinoff because this character is monkey probation officer's nephew. Um, who hit, the conflict is that he himself went to prison. His uncle is trying to set him up with this nice family to rehabilitate him, and things get wacky. This this is our better call Saul. Like we had an established canon, a yeah, yeah, light yeah. offshoot character, and making a whole thing. <laughs> uh, but this all went uh, this all went along up until everyone's favorite inciting action takes place: the Great War, World War One. Um, That's right. Which I, um, I just I just assume like if you find an animal like do you instinctively bring it in like if you have a farmhouse like do you bring I, in that animal? I don't know if all farms do, but ours <laughs> certainly did. <laughs> well, so and, and, a lot of a lot of our barn cats because we had a ton. Um, they lived outside, but yeah, we fed them and everything. Um, that is how our parents got their dog Leroy. Is he? Yeah, just showed up. <laughs> and Leroy, Leroy's just a goddamn maniac because like. We don't know how he turned up, but Leroy, he, no joke, has, like, I, I felt like a lot of rural people are very irresponsible with their pets. Our parents are not, but, like, with Leroy, there's only so much you can do. Because, like, if he's out of his pen and nobody's home, he'll just, like, run off in some direction. And <laughs> there's, like, one family who lives not close, like, several miles away, and he's wound up at their house probably close to 10 times at this point. He's gone like halfway across the county in either direction. I mean, Leroy's just a, a goddamn madman. Just hopping problem, on the bus. The problem with Leroy is that his head is completely empty. Yeah. Uh, not, he is devoid of thought. Um, he, has what we let, he has what the vets call beagle brain. Uh, because he is a beagle, and beagles, uh, they're wonderful dogs, but they are all just dumber than a bag of hammers. Yeah. Yeah, it's like Leroy has the interesting combination of having incredible natural survival instincts, but also being just stupid as a board. And, <laughs> and that's what gets you things like when 
your people aren't home for like an hour wandering halfway across the county and ending up somewhere else. God only knows where he came from. Probably like fucking New Hampshire or something like that. <laughs> but Albert, uh, going back, Albert ends up enlisting in the war in 1915 and either out of love for his new family member or complete distrust of his original ones, Albert decides that if he's going to go to war, he cannot go without Jackie. Which, like, did he love his baboon that much, or did he just hate his family that much? He's like, did no, he, you guys cannot have Jackie. Did he ask the baboon before if, if that's what... Because, I mean, I feel like the baboon would have been like, no, 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 it's okay, you go ahead. I don't really want to be a part of this. <laughs> We have to cut this off. Jackie, I can't leave you here. It's too dangerous. <laughs> you can't. I'll tell your wife. Don't you talk about my family. <laughs> like, he, he's, like, starting to learn sign language. Albert's like, all right, well, we can't have the eight, uh, him communicating. All right, he wants to go. He can't learn any more English. <laughs> um, Albert was straight up unwilling to part with his baboon friend. And as he enlists in the 3rd uh, South African Infantry Regiment, he goes after, like, pleading with his superiors and soon, Jackie is also enlisted as a private. I imagine the superiors were like, seems like something we could, we could use. Yeah. Seems like we're going to need a monkey at some point. <laughs> I'd, I'd want to get listed as a public. Is this thing on? <clears throat> I wish it weren't. Um, so well, let's, just, let's, uh, let's just move See, on to the next my, part. My what what happened next was... in the story, Jack, John? Hang on. Hang on. My riff on that was going to be, what if they, like, made him a sergeant or something? Like, that was, that was your punishment for dragging a monkey into the army, is now the monkey outranks you. Uh, believe it or not, this, uh, this monkey went to ROTC, come in, so I'm sorry, but he, he outranks you instantly. My monkey uh, can go drink at the officer's club, but I can't. Uh, but no, Alex, going back to what you said, we're not going to leave it. Uh, if my son wasn't sleeping... Uh, but Jackie was issued the military standard cap and uniform, a ration set, and even his own pay book, which brings me to my favorite recurring thing, is that the animals are always getting paid, and I find that so goddamn adorable. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of the less pernicious aspects of this, certainly. <laughs> Your monkey might die. We'll, we'll give him like 10 cents a week. Uh, early on, he was seen as more of a loving official mascot to the something most animals that saw wartime combat find themselves falling into. But like all the others before him, Jackie too soon would see the work of a soldier when his time was called. Before, he was just kind of like doing tricks. He would do the standard like light off or light like soldier cigars and cigarettes. Like he would do that kind of like trick. But soon they were like, hey, we're going to actually go to war. So you need to figure out how to do this shit. This is my rifle. This is my gun. <laughs> This is my poo. I throw it for fun. <laughs> uh, but the Chakma baboon and Jackie's known to have great eyesight, and he would be used as a sentry during night watch. Someone who was somehow far better at seeing enemy movement at night than his other soldiers who were trained to do so. Uh, which I then imagine just leads to, like, instead of, like, lighting a siren or anything, it's just the monkey screeching wildly. <laughs> Lieutenant, um, look out! That monkey is throwing a grenade! Oh no, it's his own feces. <laughs> Jackie also spent time in the trenches amongst two major battles. The first of which happened while Jackie and his troop were stationed in Egypt at the Battle of Agasia 
A-G-A-G-I-A. I don't know. I can't speak. Uh, in February of 1916. It was during this intense battle that Jackie would truly see the horrors of in their entirety. During one of the fights, Jackie was actually shot in the shoulder, which I want to say it happened three times in Alex's story, and it's happened once already. But shooting animals during wartime has to be the biggest dick move of all time. Yeah, what? Imagine, like, if the German soldier who uh, put that bullet in his shoulder, like, was like, oh, fuck, sorry. Oh, geez, no, I'm sorry. I was aiming for the human next to him. I wasn't trying to hit the monkey. Like, like, any animal crying always just, like, makes equally sobbing. But, like, shooting a monkey, like, that can't, like, sound good either. Like, in terms of the actual, like, what you're doing. But, like, he's like, oh, oh, here, you get a free shot. You get a free shot. Like, at least crying. At least shooting down a messenger pigeon has some strategic value. You know, you could at least sell yourself on the idea like, well, they shouldn't have put the pigeon in that position to begin with. But like, let the baboon go. That The baboon is not going to be the make or break point in this war, you know? Yeah. Let just let him be. said to the pharaoh. (laughs) Yeah, let Let the the baboon go. My favorite line from Exodus. Uh, Being the incredible soldier that Jackie was, Jackie was licking and seemingly taking the shot pretty well, not needing much medical attention afterwards. So, at least, like, he's shot, but he's taking it like a fucking champ. Well, he was all liquored up at the time. He probably barely felt it. (laughs) Honestly, like, my sources didn't say that he was a drunk. Like, you gotta imagine, he's, like, chain-smoking and, like, hitting the whole fucking time. I certainly hope so. That's what I'd be doing. Sadly, the second time that Jackie saw combat, would he would end up much worse off. This time, Jackie was in French trenches in an even heavier combat. The things would start to get worse when a mortar would go off near Jackie. See, Jackie had spent his time during this trench warfare, um, like any animal would, freaking the fuck out. Uh, Jackie was trying to basically avoid the fight at all costs, and was literally bunkering himself down in the trench, putting stones up in front of him and kind of building like a walled off bunker for himself. Sadly, a piece of the shrapnel that would explode and part of his wall would break down while also hitting Jackie in his leg and arm. Uh, They knew they would have to immediately do surgery on Jackie and had to like put him down with chloroform so they could stop the monkey from absolutely freaking the fuck out because how else are you going to do like medic like surgery on a monkey who just got fucking shot? You know, there are not many stories from World War One that you can pass down through your family that people just will not believe. But I chloroformed a baboon one time. That one you might need to document. <laughs> um Jackie was so terrified during this, even while they were trying to take him away back to the bar he created to basically be his only shelter. Like, this monkey is shell-shocked. Yeah! Because he's a fucking monkey! <laughs> and it's uh, war! Yeah. Monkeys do not belong in war! Nobody Sa- belongs in war, but monkeys <laughs> really don't belong in war. Yeah. Sadly for Jackie, this injury would be catastrophic and would end up losing right leg. I had to amputate his leg. There's actually the one picture that you can find of Corporal Jack uh, of Jackie is him sitting in his entire military gear minus his leg. It's honestly like really fucking sad. 
Does he have a little little peg leg? He doesn't have a peg leg. He just has no right leg. Uh, poor guy. Yeah. Did they, but, did they move him around in a wheelbarrow? <laughs> that might redeem it a little bit. Give him like a mojito. <laughs> I Honestly, they, they could have done a lot more to make this, you know, happier for me to see. They could have given him some like nice sun. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hat. Straw hat. Yeah, they, they didn't think Hawaiian about shirt. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here's, here's a picture of Jackie with Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> Um, well, oh shit! This is later on. If it had been World War II, they could have dressed him up like General MacArthur, <laughs> a little corn cob pipe and some sunglasses. Uh, but Jackie would uh, be discharged and awarded the Medal of Valor for the event. And uh, as I uh, had previously mentioned, he was promoted from private to corporal, which would give him the same rank as Voitek at the end of it all. Uh, sadly, the things end on a very sour note. After the war, Jackie and Mar end up going back to South Africa. But due to a freak house fire in May of 1921, Jackie dies in a house fire and doesn't yeah. get to live out his life as like a like he doesn't get this like nice send off. He just sadly dies in a fucking house fire. Damn. Only the good monkeys die young. <laughs> he might have been able to get away, but the uh, monkey priests were busy saving the monkey artifacts. <laughs> <laughs> How many I need I need to go back. How many monkeys and how many different monkey jobs and like creatures have we created in our expanded <laughs> universe? It's it's getting it's getting excessive. You know, we'll stop doing it when it stops being funny. Like, One hag buck for wh- whoever can uh, send us user mailbox at gmail.com. How many different monkey lines of work <laughs> we have speculated upon? It, it, it's like the how many jelly beans in a jar. It's it's going to realize there's way more than you think. Yeah. Uh, but this is the life of uh, Corporal Jackie, who ends up going down um, the only South African um, baboon to serve and end up reaching the highest um, uh, rank in the military as a corporal. And again, like I said, did end up getting the Medal of Valor, which leads me to my big question and a part of Alex's big question. Um, if you could take any of our animals from Hag history, who do you want going into combat with you? I mean, for my money, it's easy. Uh, it's Corporal Wojtek because he's got military experience and also he's a goddamn bear. Who's yeah. going to mess with you when you got a bear standing next to you? That's true. Um, it's it's a really hard call between Wojtek and Sheremy, but I'll I'll spread the love. I'll I'll, get, I'll say Sheremy because he is just he is about the toughest creature we've ever discussed on here. The yeah. motherfucker got his leg shot yeah. off and his eyes shot out, and he still completed his mission. Yeah. It's like him and him and, and that that one soldier who was like was on all the fucking drugs and yes. went on that journey. Yes. Those are the toughest people we've ever covered in more time on yeah. here. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I, in actual wartime, I feel like it has to. Be- like Voitech, just because of I mean, again, like Cody alluded to, it's a fucking bear. But if I can take any animal in history, Alex had already mentioned Kuchu the poodle. Um, just I'm I'm bringing the agent of chaos into war. First, first of all, his, like name was, his, hold on, his name was not Coochie. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. In in my head, it is <laughs> naming your dog Coochie. Jesus, <laughs> fuck, a horrible thing to do. Yeah. Also. I'm pretty sure bringing Kachi into yeah. war would be against the Geneva Convention because Kachi is a weapon of mass destruction. Yeah, yeah. Kachi is yeah. a nuclear yeah. bomb. Yeah, sorry, Kachi, not yeah, but it, it's it's the idea that like 
look, I'm probably going to go down. I'm bringing everyone down with. Kachi is basically like the the um, uh, what which Pokemon does the self destruct? Um, it, it's it's like a like a golem or like a. There's a, but yeah, no, I get what you're saying. It's basically, the um, I'm going down. Cool. So are you? Yeah, exactly. Go to hell. You first. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for that, Jack, John, and uh. uh Another one more World War One animal next week from me. But um, we next turn to Cody for our next critter, um, and he brings us a critter of a slightly different type. Uh, so, Cody, take us away. Who's your critter? So, for starters, uh, I'm going to do something a little bit different here tonight. Uh, to introduce my story, I'm going to bring in uh, a friend of mine, uh, old Bill the Sea Captain. Bill? Oh, crap. Listen up, me hearties, as I spin ye a tale of the sea. A tale as long and deadly as a cutlass, and as old as Davy Jones himself. There's many a man who will tell ye that it's not but an old legend, but ye ask any sea dog in these waters and they'll tell ye different. Arr. Sorry, I'm a bit sore. Last night I told me wife I need a new peg leg, and well, she misunderstood. Anyway, for the first time in deep, ancient waters of this particular podcast, here be a whale. Thank you, Bill. Never come back on the show again. Bill, last Bill's... time I saw you, your, your doctor said you had cirrhosis of the liver. How's that going? <laughs> All right. Yeah, Bill's not got much time left. Hey, uh... <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, uh, Bill. That's what he said. Bill, Bill strikes me not as an actual fish but as, like, a Long John Silver's general manager. <laughs> Our general manager in two locations, I'll have you know. <laughs> Bill, 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 we're done with you. Go away. <laughs> anyway, we're going back this week to the time of the Byzantine Empire in the 6th century. The setting is the waters near the great city of Constantinople. It is now known as Istanbul. For further information on that whole thing, uh, ask they might be giants, they'll explain the whole thing. It was impossible not to mention. Yeah. So, of course, given the time and place, every bit of travel that couldn't be done via land was done via water. There were ships sailing the waters around the large city constantly. Be they merchants, soldiers, fishermen, whatever lot of uses for water travel at that point. But if you were to look closely at most of the travelers on these boats, you'd notice that most of them looked a little uneasy. The ancient historian Procopius is the source of what we know about most of this story. He tells of a great sea monster that bedeviled any seafaring folk that happened to be around at that time and set things on edge a little bit. The water traffic in the area was being hounded by a massive and very aggressive sperm whale that the sailors and locals had nicknamed Porphyrius. Now, people were understandably terrified. First of all, I will point out that this is the 6th century, and we collectively did not know shit about shit. <laughs> yeah, completely brainless. Yeah. yeah, we knew nothing. Nothing at all. Also, is, it, is this our oldest topic? It's pretty um, close, right? 
Yeah, it's close. Um, Diogenes and Theogenes. Oh, yeah, yeah, those yeah. were BC. You, yeah, you have, you have pre-modern time, yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing was that this particular type of whale, the noble sperm whale, is pretty rare in the Black Sea. In truth, they didn't really even know what whales were. Just anything that lived underwater was considered to be some kind of sea monster, and we just don't even want to fuck with that. Yeah, very anti-scientific, although not a bad instinct. Yeah. I was also watching Blue Planet and seeing some of the shit that they got in there un- yeah. under the under the waves is not yeah. not too good. Yeah, the the one thing that I hold in in like camaraderie camaraderie with like old fishermen is like i don't know what the fuck's in that water and i'm not fucking with it. respect it i fear it i'm getting away from it yeah usually they were wrong with the sea monster designation um whales of all kinds are generally peaceful creatures rarely do they pose any threat to humans unless they are attacked or threatened in some way However, in this case, sea monster is a pretty appropriate uh, description. <laughs> this particular whale was, in the immortal words of Norm MacDonald, a real jerk. <laughs> uh, he or she would attack ships pretty much indiscriminately, um, just wrecking the ships, killing a bunch of people. Uh, basically, any ship that's in this whale's general vicinity is, uh, you're, you're going down. Um, you you are going to pass away, or at the very least, this boat ain't going anywhere ever again. Its main hunting ground was in what's called the Bosporus Strait. This is where the legends of the whale being supernaturally smart and pure evil start sounding a little less silly. <laughs> See, this narrow strait of water was just that narrow. As such, was it also boat- straight? <laughs> I don't know. Um, Probably, as right? such, <laughs> you think that's why they call them that? Yeah. As such, the boats didn't actually really have any room to maneuver. Um, these are not speedboats. These are clunky sixth-century ships. And running away from this thing just became impossible because they couldn't like turn around or anything like that. It was like fish shooting you in a barrel. Another aspect of this that's a bit unsettling is the time frame. These attacks took place over a span of 50 years. Now, that in and of itself is not terribly far-fetched. Sperm whales typically live about 70 years. What was weird, though, was that uh, Porphyrius would disappear for long stretches of time, only to pop up and resume its reign of terror. Almost as if... Yeah, almost as if it were lulling sailors into a false sense of security. <laughs> this whale is diabolical. You lay low, you, you make people think that you were never really back even harder the second. Just imagining him in a little lab coat with a whiteboard coming up <laughs> with evil plans. He's going to snifter, he's just like twirling it like, yes, the time is soon. He's petting a white beluga. Yeah. <laughs> So, Emperor Justinian I, uh, who was the man in charge at the time, was justifiably quite concerned about these whale attacks. And he decided that they must capture and destroy this deadly sea monster. 
But he ran into a snag. Namely that, again, it was the olden times and nobody knew anything about anything. They had no fucking clue how, what to do about this. Like, they're just like, no. we gotta kill it, but we have zero <laughs> idea how yeah. to. Even now, as evidenced by... Uh, there was kind of the, the hubbub last year with the... Uh, there Were they orcas that were fucking with ships? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, we, we had a hard enough time figuring out what to do now, but back in the 6th century, when you don't even have a frame of reference for, like, science or anything, <laughs> I can't even fathom. So, the Emperor placed a bounty on the monster's head for all the good that did, and, uh, as expected, nobody even got close to finishing the creature off. Porphyrius continued to loot and plunder the entirety of the uh, waterways around Constantinople for years to come. And it seemed that Porphyrius might be a blight on the sea travelers of the area forever. But, as with many monsters of legend, the beast would indeed meet its downfall as a result of its own greed. One day, the mighty Porphyrius was chasing dolphins near the coast. Dolphins, as we all know, are devilishly clever creatures. Mm-hmm. Read also as dicks. Yes, but they're very good at it. Yeah. And they managed to outsmart the great whale by simply coming in close to the shore. Dolphins, obviously much smaller than a whale. They are agile. They can turn on a dime and change direction very quickly. The massive whale did not have that option. Mm. It made the mistake of chasing the dolphins just a little too far. When the local townsfolk realized what had just washed up on the beach, <laughs> they decided that now was the time to take matters into their own hands. <laughs> well, <laughs> this was I mean, the they, they got them right bench. where they want them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These fuckers, they brought out axes, sticks, whatever they had, and just absolutely went to town on this whale who was probably already dead by the time like, I got there. They like, made minced meat out of him. I'm imagining, like, this whale is, like, beached, and then a bunch of people just run out and start kicking it. <laughs> it's like the airplane, they're all in line with the different weapons. Yes. <laughs> Someone's got a boxing glove, a gun. <laughs> A noose. <laughs> Some guy's gonna try and poison it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they just, they absolutely wrecked this thing. But again, it's uh, it's already dead by the time they get there, almost certainly. And if it wasn't already dead, it was gonna be very shortly. This is pettiness on par, I think, with the guy who used to beat the shit out of the statue of the edge. And he's... <laughs> 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 but regardless, the deadly whale was vanquished, and there was much rejoicing. And boys, ain't that a story worth the hearing? God damn it, he's back. Bill, sorry, Bill's been in the room again. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's not gonna be long for him. Anyway, Bill's um, been in the room again. It sounds like the setup for he's got a dream. To which Bill responds, "It's only a problem when I run." Either that or it's a Dropkick Murphys song. <laughs> so, 
tonight's uh, I know it's a shorter topic, but I I just kind of this is one I had to had to get out there for my big question for the two of you tonight. We talked about a sperm whale. Mm-hmm. We all know why that's funny. It need mm-hmm. not be said. What's the funniest name for a species of animal that you know of? For me, I mean, sperm whale's pretty good, but I'm going to go with the blue-footed booby. Uh, uh, yeah, I knew and, one of uh, you would take that. And also, they're very stupid-looking creatures. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah that, that's... Yeah. I mean, blue-footed booby has made me laugh since I first heard it probably, you know, <laughs> 25 years ago. When you're reading one of those, like, Zootopia books for... Dude, or whatever I they would, were. Dude, I, I fucking... I, whatever yeah. it was, I had all of them. Yeah, fucking zoo books, man. So good. Uh, for for me, it has to probably go to one of my favorite befitting of itself. Uh, I'm gonna go with the smooth headed blobfish. Okay, because I love the blobfish, and just it, having like the actual name smooth headed just seems like it's an insult to an already <laughs> down animal. Smooth brained. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actually, can I give an honorable mention? Because I remembered one, one that's kind of a double whammy because the colloquial name for it and the the. Not scientific, but the official name for it are both pretty funny. Um, there's a species of... See, where do they live at? They're, they're from the... Um, they're native to the Caribbean of uh, these huge, like, uh, forest frogs. And the colloquial name for them is the mountain chicken. <laughs> um, uh, their, their actual name is the giant ditch frog. <laughs> which I've felt like that sometimes. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll also, say, I've been called that before. Yeah. I'll also give an honorable mention, not an animal, but uh, the first upright man being Homo erectus. Test. Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Humans are animals, and yeah. also that was a past evolutionary stage. That counts for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, for my money, um, I, who am I to contradict Chris Pontius and Steve-O because they had so much fun with this one? Uh, the macaque monkey? Yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Man, another great Wild Boys. I need to do a Wild oh. Boys pitch. One of these days. I Paramount have some Plus, of the DVDs. Yeah. Oh, they're on Paramount Plus too. Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's uh, it's just endless puns and stupid puns is kind of what we do around here. So yeah, uh, the you know uh, my favorite as always is Macaque. <laughs> I've heard you say that before. Well, thank you for that, Cody. Um, could think of no better way to wrap this week up than with a <laughs> penis pun. Because, again, you know what podcast you're listening to. It is Here's a Guy. So. And, and if you ever get confused, just listen to episode 12. We really um, hit the hammer on the, uh, the colloquial head. No. <laughs> That's painful to think about. That's almost as bad as what actually happens in that episode. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but not quite. But not quite. <laughs> close but not quite all right well that brings us to an end of critter week hopefully you all enjoyed that as much as we did a uh, very fun uh episode to research um but let's uh let's wrap things up like we always do let's go around the horn and hawker shit cody where can the people find you um you can find me on twitter i'm at sun gravy for 2069 you can find me on blue sky at drowned in gravy uh and you can find me right here most importantly of all on uh a Really, really dumb little podcast that we call Here's a Guy, um, out mostly weekly on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Also, we have a Patreon page. It's five bucks a month. Um, do it. Just do it. You'll feel better, I promise. 
subscribe to the Patreon page. Uh, otherwise, I will disable all of your ad blockers. Oh, ooh, fate worse than death. By the way, if you didn't notice, I, uh, as promised, I pulled the uh, uh, Now You See Me review off the free Spotify, so it is now back permanently on Patreon. So if you want to listen to it, and let's not, you know, if you want to do a re-listen or if you missed it the first time around, which, uh, trust me, you do, <laughs> so, um, that's that's where to go for it. Jack John, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter at Papa underscore Jack John. You can find me on my Twitch page at Papa Jack John. I'm, I've got a new schedule now. I'm streaming every Tuesday morning, every Wednesday morning, and occasionally uh, at nights, playing a bunch of different games, doing a lot of fun stuff. So please come check that out. Ray, you can find me on Twitter and Blue Sky at Turban for Prez. Uh, follow the podcast account as well. It's at Here's a Guy Pod. And as mentioned a couple times, dispersed throughout the episode, uh, we have a mailbox. Here's a mailbox at gmail.com. Uh, send us whatever you like. We like it enough. We'll read it on the show. All right. Well, that was a... a Barrel full of laughs, um, more fun than a barrel of monkeys. That's the saying, right? I haven't said that in yeah. a long yeah. ass. I haven't even thought about that <laughs> in a long time. Good lord, that one fell off. Something being as fun as a barrel of monkeys really fell off. I um, think that's because people realize that a barrel of monkeys would probably not actually be that fun. Yeah, horrifying. Yeah, that sounds, peel that, sounds like a peel massive that, headache. You peel that thing open, they're going to be all pissed off. Um, but anyway. Uh, let's bring a close to this thing. Uh, Cody, do you have a tagline for us? I do. All right. Well, sounds good. Thank you all for being here. Hope to have you back again with us next time. And Cody, hit us with that tagline, please. Don't shoot baboons. <laughs> Bye, daddies.